This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit sold mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. In the last episode, you heard from underwear entrepreneur Franklin Cole, who quit underwear super fast and now does 40 million bucks in revenue with seven-figure clients. Okay, our guest today is Jake Cohen. Now, Jake is a self-described marketing dork responsible for $60 million in annual sales as director of strategy at CBS. He grew up in a household of ad agency execs and now is just crushing it. Now, Jake used to be a twin and no, he didn't eat the other one and no, the story isn't sad. We'll get to that in a bit. But now he's director of customer marketing at a fast growing startup called Data Gravity. So Jake, the top tribe is ready to learn from you. Are you ready to take us to the top? Ready to go to the top. Awesome, man. I love that. So first things first, anything that the audience should know uh, about your bio that I left out? Uh, well, loaded question. Cause there's lots I could tell you, but, uh, one thing that's not in there that is a nuance that's important to know about me. Uh, I believe that marketing is an extension of sales. And so a great marketer should have a very in-depth and in tune understanding of how sales works specifically within the company that they're working for. So anything that I'm going to be talking about today comes through the lens of what can we do on the marketing side to extend and grow sales in a way that is most profitable and, and uh, influential to our business. That's what a valuable viewpoint. I think that's I think that's super useful for the the top tribe listening. So walk us through as director of strategy at CBS. You said you were responsible for $62 million in annual sales. I'm sure you had a team, but walk us through what were you selling exactly? Yeah, so so it's unfair to say that I was responsible for all of it because it's a group effort, obviously. Um, But my role, I was in charge of strategy. So let me back up and explain what the perspective was around the group at CBS and then what I specifically did for them. So at CBS, we had a group called the Altitude Group. And the logic of the Altitude Group was if you look at the largest brands in the world, uh, you know that they're going to spend upwards of $250 million per year in marketing. And typically the way they buy broadcast media is through their agencies on sort of myopic or small buys that get executed on a a DMA or a a market basis. And so at CBS- What's a DMA? uh, It's a demographic metropolitan area. So, or or a TV, sorry, football uh, markets, football cities is another way of thinking about it. Got it. NFL cities. So at, at CBS, there are two buckets of broadcast media. There's the one big TV station that everyone knows, National Broadcast, and then they own about 150 local media stations across TV, radio, digital assets, out-of-home billboards, and live events. And so our group sat on top of all local media assets and went direct to brands like Ford, American Express, Allstate, so on and so forth, and said, hey guys, you're going to spend $200 million next year. What is it you need to accomplish Tell us that, and we will invent a custom integrated multimedia campaign that we can execute for you so you can spend X million dollars in one place, get a more brand on-brand relevant experience, and keep it localized. And in turn, we get larger budgets and larger share for the marketing that we sell. So there's CBS uh, that everybody knows and loves at the top. 
under that, there is the TV station that everybody knows. And then under TV, there are these 150 TV, radio, live event assets. Is it correct to say that you were responsible for driving ad revenue in a localized manner through those 150 assets? Uh, yes, in conjunction with the local sales forces that work for each of those independent stations. Got it. So walk us through what a call to all state might look like. You know, what? how does that sound? Yeah, so uh, typically we'd go brand direct or to the head of the agency's uh, account management team. And it would be, what is your business goal or KPI or thing for next year? So for all state, it might be, for example, to increase the uh, market share of um, you know, car insurance policies against Geico because they had some report come out and they needed to do that. And so we say, okay, great. Um, how are you doing that today? Uh, what's working? What's not working? What do you think is a tactic that might work for you? And what we would do is go back and say, what are ways that we can leverage our own assets, which we own, to create either custom content or integrated experiences that are more relevant and sort of break through the clutter better? We'd propose those to Allstate. And uh, if they liked them, which that was my job was to invent the campaigns that they would like, uh, then they'd move forward with one. And then we'd figure out the right media strategy to support that marketing initiative. And then of course have metrics against it to prove that it was delivering the KPI that they needed so that we could up the buy and, and continue to refine it over the years. So for those of again, top tribe listening in KPI is key performance indicator. So Jake, when all state you'd sign a, a campaign deal with them and you'd have metrics uh, to measure, to see if it was a good return. What were some of those metrics like, was it just market share or their LTV? kind of metrics? What were you focused yeah, so, on? So it, it really depends on the client and their goals. So, so for example, when I was there, one of the campaigns we did with Allstate was the Good Hands traffic reports. And so one of their things that they wanted to uh, get uh, to accomplish was they wanted people to believe that Allstate was a reliable partner for car insurance. So in marketing, there's only two things that you can accomplish with a marketing campaign. There's getting a, a target customer to believe something about your brand, product, or service, or to get them to do something about your brand, product, or service. And in this case, Allstate wanted them to believe that they were a reliable car insurance partner. And so what we did was we packaged Allstate as the provider of reliable traffic information. So in every single market for, I don't know, half a year, Anytime there was an accident, it was brought, it was the Allstate Good Hands traffic report integrated into on the radio the traffic announcer's normal spiel, which no other vendor had. No other uh, client was able to access this. They had to have separate advertising because there was an exclusive granted to Allstate. So when a driver was saying, oh, heard the traffic come on, so they were able to reroute their way home and feel sort of safe and protected, Allstate was packaged right with it. So the KPIs for that were mentions, and then they did their own sort of brand recognition tests, which obviously tested well because the campaign continued. So how do you measure consumer belief? As a media vendor, uh, you can issue surveys and you can go interview people, but it's difficult to do that. There's a lot of proprietary information that a brand will have and will test against that you don't always get access to. Got it. Got it. Yeah, I imagine for for some of the top tribe that might have their own little, you know, Facebook ad management system, they might work with clients who the clients just say, we just want more people to know about us. And the question is, well, how do you know if people know about you? So interesting, you know, sometimes at Allstate or at CBS, you had access to those metrics. Other times you just didn't. That's correct. Got it. Well, walk us. So, so let's now shift to data gravity. So huge success at CBS. Why'd you leave? 
so actually in between CBS and Data Gravity, I helped start uh, a company called Privy, which was marketing software for uh, small businesses, specifically brick and mortar businesses to track how any online marketing activity, such as a Facebook post or uh, an, a Google ad buy would yield in-store sales. Um, the reason that I left CBS was because I believed at the time, which was about 2010, there were there was a trend of more consumers uh, going online to do research for local purchases. And I noted that local businesses were ill-equipped to handle this change specifically as it related to, to winning business and, and tracking what was working. So we built it. And did you, Jake, did you have, you know, there's listeners right now in the Top Tribe who are currently in a corporate job wondering, how do I smoothly transition out of corporate into doing my own thing? How did you make that transition a smooth one for you? Or maybe it wasn't smooth. Yeah, I was going to say smooth is a, is a, rel <laughs> is a relative term. Um, what I did was uh, I, I wanted to, wherever I work, I make it an absolute priority that I over deliver expectations and I, and I kick ass for people when I can. Um, so I, I worked really, really hard when I was at CBS and then usually starting at about 7.30 or 8 p.m. until roughly midnight, I would work on Privy. Um, I had a co-founder, he was our CEO. Um, and so I worked for free for about three months with him, refining the story, doing research, interviewing potential customers, understanding how we had to develop the product to make it relevant. Um, and I did that at night, much to my now wife's chagrin. Yeah. <laughs> um, but you know, when you really care about something, when you're really passionate about something and you believe something with every sort of ounce of your body, uh, it doesn't feel like work. It's like you're uncovering this mystery that no one else sees yet. And you're the first person on the front line getting there. And it's, it's an exciting thing to be part of. So was it self-funded or did you wait until, you know, your co-founder got funding to leave CBS? Um, we, uh, had a teeny bit of funding when I left. What's a, te uh, and, what's a teeny bit, like under a hundred grand? Oh yeah, I think we had maybe 150 grand of, of money raised. Um, and when I told my boss at CBS I was leaving, one of the saddest things that happened was he, he I don't know that he had approval to do this, but he tentatively offered to double my salary on the spot, <laughs> which was, uh, you, you, you can't, once you say you're leaving, it doesn't matter what they offer you, you cannot stay. Because yeah. either you stay, you have a target on your back, or you stay and they think you're leaving. You got to just go. But that was a, an unexpected and sad thing to have happen. Um, we had maybe 150K in funding. Throughout the duration of the company, we had about $2 million that we had raised. Um, the company's still around. Um, and, and doing really well. So, so, so Jake, real quick, I can feel people wondering that might be in that same situation. They left corporate, they're starting their own business, they have a little bit in funding. Can you share back in those early days for you and your co-founder, did you guys pay yourselves at all? And if so, what amount is appropriate for a two, two co-person team that's raised 150K? Um, we did not pay ourselves very much. In fact, I took a 55% reduction in pay when I left CBS. Um, Again, much to my now wife's chagrin. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but you know, I, the way that I look at it, everyone looks at it differently. Um, you got to look at what your household expenses are and what you absolutely need to exist. You don't start a company to make a high salary. You start a company to make a difference and to hopefully provide value to the market, which you will 
reap in terms of financial outcome when the company has an exit event. I, I am not a fan of founders taking huge salaries until they are profitable and or producing a ton of revenue. Got it. Well, that, that makes good sense. Now, if you're listening in, you know, at the top of the show, I mentioned Jake used to have a twin and he didn't need him. And no, the story's not sad. We're going to get to that in a bit. So keep listening. But first, Jake, transition to data gravity. Why? Why? How'd you go from privy to data gravity? So uh, when I was at Privy, I left for a, a wedding and subsequent honeymoon, and there was going to be a potential exit for the company, uh, which I'm not going to get into too many details on, just out of respect for Privy, which is still operating. Um, however, when I got back, my wife told me uh, four days after we returned that she was pregnant with our first baby. And so um, given the sort of reduced uh, earning that I had been taking for a long time, I needed to more quickly find um, a higher income that would support this change in our family. And so I went out and looked and, and found a great opportunity at Data Gravity. Got it. So it was really just based off, hey, household expenses are going to increase. I need something more stable. Uh, yeah. And as I mentioned before, you have to understand what your expenses are going to be. And you need to be res you need to make priorities and be responsible to, you know, what's what you need to do. And for a long, long time, I was able to uh, take a lot less money. And, and now, unfortunately, I needed a little bit more. Yeah, no, I, you know, I totally understand. And I think you've given us some valuable insights, both the CBS story about a, how a company like Allstate might place a media spend or a campaign, you know, through CBS, your transition to Privy for those listening who are in corporate looking to make a transition, and then your ultimate transition back into data gravity, which is a bit more secure and, uh, and meets kind of your needs at the time. So I think it's a value Valuable, valuable story. If you are loving this episode, you will love episode number eight, where we talk to the head of strategy at GoPro, responsible for taking them from $300,000 a year in sales to $300 million in sales. And to celebrate the top tribe, I am giving you guys the chance to win a GoPro and my top three favorite business books. In order to win, simply text the word Nathan to 33 Four 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 again N A T H A N to three three four 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 for your chance to win hundreds of dollars in prizes every week. The first one is a GoPro and my favorite business books. Now tell us real quick before we get into a little bit of a surprise, and it's my favorite part of the show, Jake. What happened to your twin? <laughs> uh, I guess the the strongest survived when I was. Uh, <laughs> When I was in the womb, uh, our tw my twin and I were about an inch and a half across, and one of us kept growing, and the other one didn't. So, still before there was any brain or any sort of anything meaningful, he just he didn't he didn't move along. And uh, I'm kind of glad because two of me in the world might be a lot to handle. <laughs> yeah. So you 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 must be pretty competitive if it started in the womb. I am definitely known to be competitive. Yes. I understand. I mean, coming from a household of ad agency execs, I can only imagine late night evenings watching Mad Men and competitive juices flowing. No board game goes without a little bit of an argument. <laughs> you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jake, do you know what time it is? Surprise time? Dude, it's time for the famous five. Are you ready to go? All right, let's go. All right, what's your favorite business book? Um, two. The Art of the Deal, I'm hesitant to relate to anything that has to do with Donald Trump, but <laughs> the guy does know how to negotiate and uh, influence by Robert Cialdini. Are you going to vote for him if he makes it? Uh, no. <laughs> Are you going to vote for his wig if the wig makes it? I'm just kidding. Uh, on, on humor alone, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Okay, number two, is there a CEO that you're following or studying right now? I don't know that I, I study CEOs, but one that I have tremendous respect for is Jeff Weiner. 
I think he's one of the few CEOs that has a sustained approval rating over 95% in a business that's growing and evolving in a, in a new media frontier. And this is the CEO of LinkedIn. Amazing yes. CEO. Num Sorry. Yeah, no worries. Number three, what is your favorite online tool like Evernote? Uh, hands down, a company called Crystal. Crystal Nose. Okay. I, th I think it's crystalnose.com. I'm a huge fan of understanding the personality type of your audience and catering your messaging and communication to that audience so that they hear you better. Because at the end of the day, communication is the gap between what you mean to say and what someone hears. And mm. the better communicators understand how people hear things. Oh, that's, a, that's a great quote, Jake. A great quote. Uh, this company, Crystal Nose, is a uh, email plugin for Gmail that will actually give you real-time updates to how you're uh, writing your email based off of the recipient's email address and their personality type. Interesting. And that's just crystal nose. I'll look that up and link to it in the show notes. It's that Nathan absolutely yeah. amazing. Full cool. disclosure, I'm an investor in the company, but it's amazing. Great. Well, yeah, we'll link to that in the show notes at nathanlaka.com forward slash the top. I'll check it out. Now, number four, you know, you've got a kid, you got a great wife, you're, you're working at a fast paced company. Jake, yes or no? Do you get eight hours of sleep each night? I tried desperately. Okay. All right. Number five, if you wish your 20 year old self knew one thing, what would it be? Uh, find the absolute smartest person you can get your hand on and work for them regardless of what they ask you to do. I love that. Now, Jake, you've made a transition from a big CBS company to a startup called Privy to back into a more stable director of customer marketing position at Data Gravity. If people want to connect with you online and follow your journey, where can they connect with you? Yeah, so if you want to communicate and uh, chat and see some of my thinking, the best place is Twitter. My handle is at J-F-C-C-O-H-E-N. Uh, if you want to talk about business opportunities or whatever else, uh, LinkedIn is the best place to go. And again, just search Jake Cohen and either CBS Privy or uh, Data Gravity and you'll see my profile. Jake, man, from a household of ad agency execs to $62 million in annual sales at CBS and now riding a rocket ship at Data Gravity and a new father, Jake, thank you for taking the audience to the top. My pleasure. Thanks for giving me the opportunity. <laughs> you bet. Bye-bye. Coming up in the next episode, you're going to hear from Jordan Harbinger, who makes $64,000 a week with live events and just eight men in attendance. You won't want to miss that episode. This podcast is produced by Oration Recording and is sponsored by Eddie Communications and Roanoke, Virginia's Grandin CoLab, the premier workspace for entrepreneurs and growing companies.